Hello, this is Rob Massey, and welcome back to the Planet Jesus Podcast. This is episode 12, Happy Jesus. In this episode, we're going to try to show that Jesus was indeed happy, and that joy, not judgment, should be the defining characteristic of humanity and those who follow Jesus. So, little backstory on was Jesus happy and that question. A friend of mine and one of the seven listeners of the Planet Jesus podcast related a story to me a few weeks ago. He and a longtime friend from his youth were discussing a number of topics along the lines of like family origin and upbringing and conditioning and expectations and how those factors relate to uh, perfectionism and how that perfectionism was fostered in them uh, and me as well. And um, my friend told his friend during this lunch engagement about a related therapist-counselor discussion from years ago. It was a rather involved discussion on the topic of perfectionism, and at one point the counselor asked my friend, do you think that the expectation of being perfect would include being happy? As he relayed the story to me, he told me how dumbstruck he was by the question and said that he has thought about it many times since that session. And As they continued to talk and discuss happiness and perfection, his friend mentioned that the only purportedly perfect person in all of Christendom lived 2,000 years ago. And this was the catalyst for the thought and the question, what about him? Was Jesus happy? I think that that's an amazing question. And if this is planet Jesus, then we should understand what types of traits should characterize its inhabitants. So what about it? Was Jesus happy? Or did he display the demeanor of the couple depicted in Grant Wood's American Gothic painting? I've always been struck by that painting, how sober and and withdrawn they looked. I think many non-Christians think of Jesus as a sober killjoy, likely because some Christians have projected that kind of image. I have been guilty of it. I tend to be sober, and I look for what's not working, not as a critic, but one who wants to solve the big problem. What does it mean to be happy? Or what is happiness? This was the kind of the question I started with. I was like, man, this is a tough, this is a tough one. The more I thought about those questions, the more I realized I didn't know. I thought, well, someone who's laughing is someone who's expressing outwardly their happiness. But then I thought about the phrase uh, that we use about the tears of a clown, and which indicates that all that might appear on the outside isn't what's necessarily going on on the inside. Someone might appear to be happy, but actually be emotionally distraught. One of my favorite scenes from the Pixar movie Toy Story is where Buzz Lightyear sees a toy soldier strapped to an M80 in the neighbor's backyard. He asks, why is that soldier strapped to an explosive device? Uh, to which Woody responds, that's why, Sid. And Buzz replies, you mean that happy child? Because at this point, uh, Sid's sadistic laugh at what he was about to do to this toy soldier appeared on the outside that he was this happy child. 
Mr. Potato Head says, that ain't no happy child. To which Rex says, he tortures toys just for fun. So my point is, is that Sid's sadistic laugh was no indication of internal peace, joy, or a sense of happiness. I decided to look up the definition and the synonyms for happy. And the one that I landed on that I think both uh, the listener who posed the question uh, and what I think the Bible is most closely aligned to when it talks about being happy is enjoying or characterized by well-being and contentment. I could force a couple of dozen synonyms for the word happy, but these uh, jumped out to me. Uh, Some we'll dig into a little deeper. Words like contented, merry, joyful, delighted, smiling. By the way, Chris Voss, he's the author of Never Split the Difference and a former hostage negotiator. He refers to research that claims that smiling improves your ability to problem solve. Anyway, uh, other synonyms include beaming, satisfied, gratified, joyous, blessed, Those are all good words. They make me smile just thinking about them. Uh, Because the Bible I read is translated from the original languages into English, it's important to know the synonyms. And I want to be careful to take into consideration the semantic range and other factors that affect the meaning of the word. But time uh, really prevents me from digging into that. But I will say that I'm taking liberty with the application of the word happy and uh, some of its synonyms. So let's dig in a little bit uh, into the scientific considerations. Before we look into the biblical passages about Jesus' relative happiness in his pursuit for perfection, or better, his pursuit to be a mature, complete person, let's look at what science reports about happiness. Christine Carter, Ph.D., is a sociologist and senior fellow at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center. I didn't even know there was one of those. She wrote in her blog titled, Is Happiness Actually Important? She says, Happiness is a tremendous advantage in a world that values performance and achievement. On average, happy people are more successful than unhappy people at both work and love. Happy people tend to be healthier and live longer. This living longer factor will become important to remember when we dig into some of the biblical texts. So, Carter is reporting that if a person wants to achieve high performance in work and love, happiness is a foundational characteristic. If you're not happy and you want to increase your happiness level, she recommends emphasizing the good or the strengths of others. She makes the comments in relation to a spouse. If you're not happy with him, then start to emphasize his strengths. If he doesn't have one, oh well maybe start over. Anyway, it's not necessarily scientific, but it is a measure of our attraction to the idea of being happy. I'm referring to Pharrell Williams' song, Happy. It was the number one song in 24 countries. In the U.S., it sold 6.4 million copies, and in the U.K., it became the most demanded song of all time. Man, the The home of the Beatles? So, to summarize, happiness is attractive. That's what the science says. The science says we're attracted to people who are happy. 
In April 2015, two Nobel Peace Prize laureates, His Holiness the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, met to celebrate the 80th birthday of the Dalai Lama. They reflected on one question, how do we find joy and happiness in the face of suffering? Douglas Abrams, an author and editor, he recorded the week-long interaction in a book titled The Book of Joy, Lasting Happiness in a Changing World. Abrams, speaking from his own experience, stated that, quote, Having worked with many spiritual leaders, I'm tempted to see laughter and a sense of humor as a universal index of spiritual development, end quote. The Dalai Lama, differentiating wholehearted joy and happiness as opposed to artificial happiness like SIDS, states, quote, Wholehearted laughter, not artificial laughter, is very good for your heart and your health in general, end quote. Abrams wrote, Humor, like humility, comes from the same root word for humanity, humus. The Dalai Lama went on to say, quote, we have to have a sense of humility to be able to laugh at ourselves, and to laugh at ourselves reminds us of our shared humanity, end quote. Desmond Tutu found himself in some difficult situations during the tense times of apartheid. Funerals for citizens killed by the police became political marches. He said, quote, My weaponry, if you can call it that, was to use humor, and especially self-denigrating humor, where you are laughing at yourself, end quote. From everything I've read over the last couple of weeks researching for this podcast, happiness is not required for survival but it is certainly a key characteristics of persons who thrive. Before digging into the Bible and the life of Jesus, I want to play one of my favorite scenes from a classic Disney movie, Pollyanna. To set the scene, Pollyanna is new to town. She's come, due to some unfortunate circumstances, to live with her prudish aunt. Her first Sunday in town, she goes to church, and here's an excerpt of the pastor's sermon. Death comes unexpectedly, and the God Jehovah will execute his vengeance on ye who despise his dying love and trample his benefits underfoot. The unconverted soul, the foolish children of man do miserably delude themselves in the false confidence of their own strength and wisdom. Now the great king of heaven and earth will abolish and annihilate this pride will crush the hardened wretch of the polluted, infinite abomination and rain on him a deluge of fire and brimstone. There is no security for the wicked because there are no visible signs of death at hand. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering. And there are innumerable places on this covering so weak they will not bear their weight. A soul doomed to the everlasting bottomless pit of a divine wrath. Yes, death comes unexpectedly. Amen. <laughs> that never gets old for me. That f those fire and brimstone preachers, they were telling the truth. They had verses that depicted God as an austere killjoy. 
But that is not the image that Jesus brings of God. In a later scene, Pollyanna finds the pastor in a field practicing his sermon for the next week. She tells him that her father, who during his life was a pastor, he seemed to be angry like the local pastor until he started looking at the good in people and searching for glad and happy texts within the scriptures. Here's an excerpt of that conversation from the movie. Would you like someone to practice your sermon? No, no, thank you, John. Uh, Mother and I used to be an audience to my father when he was practicing his sermons. He, he was a minister too, you know. Oh, yes, yes, so he was. Uh, do you like being a minister? Do I like being a... Now, why would you ask a thing like that? Oh, the way you looked just then reminded me of my father. Once I saw him sort of sad like that, and I asked him. And what did he say? Hmm. Oh, said he was glad he was. But it made him sad sometimes when he just couldn't seem to get through to his congregation. Sounds familiar. I suppose every minister of God faces the same problem. I suppose. Tell me, did your father ever solve the problem? Well, he read something one day that said helped him. In the Bible? No, just something he read someplace. May I? Mm. When you look for the bad in mankind expecting to find it, you surely will. But I never heard that before. Neither of my father. Anyway, he said it started him thinking. And from then on, he was going to look for the good in people. That's when we both started searching for the Bible for the texts. The texts? Yes. You know. My father called them the glad passages. You know. The happy ones, like uh, shout for joy or be glad in the Lord. You know, like that. There are 800 happy texts. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yes, well, there are. And you know, my father said, if God took the trouble to tell us 800 times to be glad and rejoice, he must have wanted us to do it. For your information, after the encouragement that Pollyanna gave the pastor to look for the good and to search for the happy texts, the pastor's sermon the following week was full of grace and kindness, and the people left church feeling lifted up and lighter. I recommend going back and watching that movie again just to refresh your memory on it if you haven't seen it in some time. Sometimes we develop ruts in our brain. Maybe that pastor had it, and they tend towards negativity. But we should adopt Pollyanna's approach and develop new super highways in the brain that lead to happiness. And there are documented methods for doing that, for being a happier person. It's not too late. You can journal on what you're thankful for every day. For a while, I was doing this. I would just write out, I'm thankful today that my daughter Mary called me. I'm thankful today that, you know, whatever. And those things, it's interesting. You just do that two minutes prior to bed. Write down three sentences. It's amazing uh, how uplifting that is. Tell people that you appreciate them. That's another way. Just writing a thank you card, uh, calling somebody up and saying, hey, I just appreciate this thing or that thing about you. It helps them and it helps you. 
And then serving others, doing good for others. These are things that promote happiness. And when we start to be happy, those happy chemicals start to flow. And it becomes a natural thing for us. So, okay, enough of all that. Let's look at what the authors of the Bible have to say about it. Happiness in the scriptures carries with it the meaning of well-being. The word picture is of a man and his wife working hard all day in their field. They wash up, they eat dinner, then they go outside and they rest under a fig tree as the sun goes down. They're pleased with their labor. They're pleased with their life. They've got peace. That's the scene. That's what well-being is. That's what happiness is. So let's start with God. What about the God of Israel? Was he happy? I think it's interesting because some of the biggest detractors of the scriptures and God himself are people who want to point out, you know, things that God says, judge this and damn that and, you know, whatever. Let's look at a couple of verses about whether God was happy. In Deuteronomy 30 verse 9, it says that the Lord will again take delight in prospering you. In Jeremiah 32, 41, it says, I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. I mean, that's full-scale anthropomorphism going on there. In the New Testament, Jesus is telling this parable, and he says in Luke 15, 7, there's going to be more joy in heaven. I guess that's where God lives, right? In Luke 15, 7, Jesus said, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. He's saying that in response to people being upset at Jesus eating with publicans and sinners. And, they're, and he's saying, hey, come on, join the heavenly chorus of people who are having a good time over people repenting and coming into the kingdom. But the Pharisees and the power brokers of his day wouldn't have it. Going on in Luke 15, Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. A very powerful story, and we'll get into a little detail later on, but just this one thing, it's a story of this father who, when his son returns, he celebrates. He says it was fitting that we should celebrate and be glad. God is happy when people live lives that fulfill their purpose. When we consider a happy God, it's important to remember this principle. You become what you worship. So if your God is a mean SOB, then you will be too. If your God loves to drink wine, like Dionysius, then you might tend to drink more than your share. You get the point. We become what we worship. You, you look at people who worship a rock band. They start looking like those rock bands. They get the same tattoos. They get the same piercings, hairstyles. I do it. Man, I look at these guys, I'm like, oh, hey, I want to look like that. You know, go out and buy the clothes. Let's look at the nation of Israel. Were they happy like their God was happy? Well, sometimes. In Deuteronomy 33, 29, it says, Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord. In Proverbs 3, he says, Happy is the man that finds wisdom, and the man that gets understanding, and happy is everyone that retaineth wisdom. So, see, people in Israel, like us today, they pursued education, wisdom, and understanding, and they considered themselves happy when they found what they were pursuing. 
Just a note, the King James Version, which I just quoted, translates the Hebrew word happy, but the ESV, which I normally speak from and talk from, translates it blessed. Blessed is one of the key synonyms for happy that I want to focus on. That same passage from the ESV says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Those who hold fast to her are called blessed. That's Proverbs 3, again, Proverbs 3, 13 through 18. The writer of the Proverbs thought that happiness was derived from action, not a feeling. In Proverbs 14, 21, he says, But he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. See, that's an action, having mercy on the poor. He who trusts in the Lord, happy is he. That's Proverbs 16, 20. Happy is he that keeps the law, Proverbs 29, 18. The teacher of the Hebrew book of Ecclesiastes brought everyday actions into sight when he wrote. See, what I'm trying to drive at here is the actions that we take that produce happiness or to reflect happiness. It's not just happiness when we're sitting in church and, you know, singing hymns all day. I mean, that's not what heaven is going to be like, guys. These guys are talking about real life, everyday things, gaining understanding and wisdom, making us happy. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing better for a man than he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Let's look at one synonym for happy, and that is the word joy. And I'm not going to go through all 800 of Pollyanna's happy texts, although you're probably already on overload. But I'm going to just read through a couple of the verses. And I'm not going to give you a book, chapter, verse, and I'm not going to comment on them, maybe much. But I did want to go through them. Because if you could imagine that there are 800 verses that talk about the happiness of God or the happiness of the people of God, then you could get a sense that people, and particularly Christians, they should be reading the scriptures and coming out of it with a better view than an angry God that's wanting to rob you of all of your joy. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, you that are upright in heart. My soul shall be joyful. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Look at that. Service to God is done with gladness. I love this stuff. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Everlasting joy? That's, that's a lot of joy. We need, to, we need to embrace some of these things. Start living everlasting joy today. My servant shall sing for joy of heart. Be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. So the city is to be a place of rejoicing and her people are to be a people of joy. And let's jump to the New Testament real quick. Here's some, here's some reflections in the New Testament and what we call the New Testament. I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. Rejoice with me. 
Joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Bring the best robe, put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Let us eat and be merry. It was suitable for us to be merry. These are great verses. This is, this, that's the whole prodigal son story there, where the father is trying to tell the other brother, the crankpot brother, hey, it was right for us to rejoice at your brother's return. These things have I spoken of to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. These things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. There was great joy in the city. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy. These are important verses. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Rejoice evermore. And these things write I unto you that your joy might be fulfilled. I hope that wasn't too much. That was a press through two testaments. Instead of selecting 800, I just selected a few that gave you a sense of the direction. The whole purposes of God is so that mankind would have joy and happiness. Another synonym for happy is blessed. One of the most important stories in the Hebrew scriptures that's important to Jews, Christians, and Muslims is the story of Abraham, the father of all of our faiths. The word blessed was used to describe the mandate that we have to make the world a happier place. The first interaction with God that's recorded with Abraham was about him blessing and making the world a happier place. Let's just read that in Genesis, the 12th chapter, first verse. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we reread that paragraph, and replace the word bless to happy or to make happy. What would that same passage sound like? Well, I took the liberty of rewriting it. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bring you happiness and make your name great so that you will bring happiness to others. I will make those happy who bring you happiness, and him who dishonors you, I will not make happy. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be made happy. I know, I took some liberties there, but who cares? Can you imagine what kind of world it would be if all we did was seek out others' happiness? That we did actions to bring happiness to others? Except for the most extreme Ayn Rand adherence. We know that self-seeking and self-interest are not the most effective ways to solve the world's problems. Blessing others, doing good to others, is more noble and more effective than rationalism and individualism. Tony Say, the founder of Zappos, in his book, Delivering Happiness, wrote, quote, the combination of physical synchrony with other humans and being part of something bigger than oneself 
and thus losing momentarily a sense of self leads to a greater sense of happiness, end quote. Again, Say, in his book, writes, quote, happiness is really just about four things, perceived control, perceived progress, connectedness, that is the number of and depth of your relationships, and vision or meaning, being part of something bigger than yourselves, end quote. All the happy texts of Israel that I quoted and all the others are related to a few different topics, not being in exile or in famine. You can say that's like perceived control, right? Be having control of your life, that gives you some level of happiness. Or the idea of moving forward with God's initial plan with Abraham, or connecting to others, or being part of the overarching plan of God, which correlates to says connectedness and being part of something bigger than yourself. The initial commission to Abraham was to deliver happiness. What if all the Abrahamic faiths, the Jews and Christians and Muslims, would follow his commission? What if we were to pursue happiness and deliver happiness to others? The first believers considered Jesus to be the ultimate expression of the promise that was made to Abraham, that his offspring would be a blessing. They interpreted Genesis 12 like this. In Acts 3, 25 through 26, Peter is addressing Genesis 12. Peter said, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. End quote. Wickedness separates people. So Tony says, right, when he says that people who are connected are happy, and wickedness naturally separates, so delivering happiness is essentially guiding people out of wickedness. Peter also recognizes it. Jesus, the seed of Abraham, brought happiness by helping them turn from wickedness, not by rattling the chandeliers on a Sunday sermon, or standing on a street corner, or publicly shaming by projecting a false morality on social media. Here's one from Paul. The righteous man shall live by faith, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. This means that the happiness of Abraham was delivered to the whole world. That's what the Gentiles means. Through Jesus. If his early witnesses believed him to be the deliverer of happiness, blessing, and joy, then he must have exuded it. Jesus was the happiest person on earth, at least according to the writer of the Christian New Testament book titled Hebrews. In Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9, a direct reference to the Messiah quoted in Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, the Father says to the Son, quote, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The contemporary English version renders it, 
Your God made you happier than your friends. So Jesus was happier than anyone else he knew and probably anyone who has ever lived. Notice the message of Jesus in his paradigmatic Sermon on the Mount. The King James Version and the ESV say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those that hunger and thirst. If They use that word blessed. But if you were to go and look at the Good News Translation, replaces the word blessed with happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's, that's a nice way to think about it, isn't it? If this was the core message of Jesus, these were the first words of his Sermon on the Mount, it was probably a core aspect of his character. I, I love this thought from Randy Alcorn. He writes, Imagine this scene. Children were brought to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and they went away. This passage leaves no doubt about Jesus' love for children and the fact that children flock to him is telling. Children are drawn to happy adults, not unhappy ones. What are you inspired with? What are you good at? What gifts do you have? What brings joy to you? Use those gifts for good, to make others happy, to bless others. Two final quotes for Tony Say as we close. Quote, There's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. End quote. We can know to do good to others, but it's not so easy to do. It's certainly easy to do good to those who do good to you, but try to do good to those that are your enemies. Man, there's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, Say goes on to write. Here's the other quote. Without conscious and deliberate effort, inertia always wins. End quote. We will never become happy, blessed people if we don't get over that inertia, that we don't follow our path, we don't get over that inertia and begin to pursue happiness in our lives, in ourselves, to start to be thankful, to start to think about things that make us happy, then begin to bless others and make them happy. Let's consciously do good. Let's set our minds this week to live our lives for the happiness of others. This is not a zero-sum game. We are made happier by delivering happiness to others. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I know you could listen to others, and I know that you're busy folks. Uh, You can uh, find uh, the show notes for this podcast and all the other podcasts on my website, uh, theplanetjesus.net. And uh, we look forward to uh, discussing more topics with you. Keep your email coming. That was the catalyst for this podcast. We'll talk to you again in another couple of weeks. Thanks again for listening to this podcast.